to some degree, you have to take a pulse of the students and sort of figure out what they like and to some degree what you can get away with in terms of, you know, putting in your own personal preference. But ultimately, what I'm striving for is a balance of, you know, of what moves me and what I can teach with, um, with also providing the fun and the spark that they that they like. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, and as always, you can reach me, John, at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. These free podcasts are sponsored by our friends at Cycling Fusion. And if you are looking for an initial certification or want to really kind of ratchet up your instructor game, I would suggest checking them out over at cyclingfusion.com. Now, joining me today is ICI Pro member Alice Hefner. And Alice and I have been trading emails back and forth, and she was describing both the challenge and the successes that she's had, essentially creating a class from scratch at a club where she wasn't really even employed. And so I decided, Alice, this is going to make a great podcast. And she agreed, and I'm introducing you to her now. Alice, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Thank you so much, John. I feel like a rock star. Well, and as you should. (laughs) And as you should, because you are a rock star. You know, we are of a very small percentage of people that can get up in front of a group of people with confidence and entertain them while helping them improve their physical fitness and and healthful lifestyle. Anyways, okay, where am I reaching you at? Where where do you live? I live in Ramsey, New Jersey, which is a suburban community about 40 miles outside of New York City in Bergen County. The conversation that we had earlier was you had an opportunity to... You know, first sub a class at a club that actually led to you getting a class there, which I think for a lot of people, especially new instructors, is a is a story that they're going to enjoy hearing and, and is exactly how this all went together. So so start from the beginning. You're an instructor and you got on the sub list for this other club. You were teaching at one club and then wanted to kind of branch out a little bit. Yes. And um, one of the things that about our my location is that if you were to drive within, let's say, a 20-minute radius of my house, you would probably find at least 12 clubs that are offering uh, spinning in some form or another. So there are a lot of gyms and a lot of clubs here for people to choose from. So, um, you know, typically when you teach at one place, you sign on to sub at, um, you know, everywhere else that's, you know, nearby just, you know, so you get to teach more and hopefully one of these days lead into uh, picking up a full class. So this this uh, gym opened up. It's really a, sort of what I'd call a boutique kind of club. Uh, it's women's only. What's the um, name of it? It's called Ethos Fitness for Women. Okay. And for someone and in that area, where is it close by? It's located in Midland Park, New Jersey, which is not too far from Ridgewood, which is sort of the biggest location nearby. And it's, you know, definitely um, an upscale kind of place. They, you know, it's, it's beautifully done. Um, the classes, they have a creative director for their classes. Um, so they're definitely looking to, um, you know, offer something a little bit different, a cut above, and certainly a much more personal and intimate kind of atmosphere for, for women to work out and feel comfortable and build their fitness. 
So you would initially approach them and they didn't have a class. So you said, can I get on the sub list? Yes. Yes. And I had actually, you know, um, just the way my schedule worked out, I was called, you know, probably a couple of times a year. And actually, once uh, the gym was established, the fitness director from the gym I was had one of my classes uh, went to become the fitness director for Ethos. Oh, so, so you had an in there. Yeah, we had an in, which is always <laughs> okay. a wonderful thing. And she had taken my class back at the other gym. And, you know, as they needed subs, she would give me a call and I could sub when I did. Perfect. Okay, so that led to you being in the perfect position to take over a new class. It really was. It was like a bolt of lightning came out of the sky. I was um, had actually my schedule had changed and I was looking to pick up another class if I could. And just as I was thinking about it, the next day I got a call from from Ellen saying we're putting a new class on the schedule at 830 in the morning on a Tuesday. Our classes at 915 are so oversubscribed. We're trying to, you know, sort of divvy up the population a little bit so that not everybody is crammed into that 915 class. Would you be interested? And, you know, that was a didn't didn't take more than about 10 seconds to say absolutely. So it was a great opportunity. Okay, and but eight thirty is kind of an odd time. Yeah, sure is. Uh, you know, around here, um, not all the communities in our area have school buses. So if you can imagine what goes on on the road at around uh, between eight and nine o'clock in the morning, we have you know all the moms out driving their kids to and from school, plus the school buses wherever they are. So it is a bit of a challenging slot because people are you know dropping their their kids off. So to some degree, the population that we're looking at were people either with older kids or people who didn't have kids, and as it has worked out, um, you know people. People have found ways to alter their schedule so they can now make the 830 class. Excellent. And and like so many things in life, you have to put it in front of them, let people adapt to their schedule, and then hopefully it becomes habitual at some point, right? That's right. That's right. You sort of, you know, you give them, you give them a hook and then you catch them and they keep coming. That's the objective. Okay. So tell us uh, what happened, you know, once you got started. Well, um, you know, it's one of the great things about this particular opportunity is that it wasn't there wasn't someone's class that I was inheriting, which is often the case when you pick up a new class. So, um, you know, I had really the opportunity to shape it the way I wanted to. People came in without any preconceived notions um, that can work both sort of positive and negative. Like on the one hand, you know, everybody's a little suspicious. They don't know who you are. Um, on the other hand, it was very freeing for me because I could, you know, mold the class the way I wanted to. So I think the most important thing for me was to really first establish my credibility. Um, but also to develop the trust and, um, you know, confidence and rapport with my students, because ultimately that was what's going to, I think, build the class and um, have them desire to come back on a regular basis. So, um, you know, and it wasn't like a big touchy-feely kind of thing, but it's it's more the message and the, and the um, you know, what you convey by your presence and how you interact with them. I was, you know, very sure to, you know, to learn their names, to write down their names, just so that I would remember week to week and just find different ways to connect with, with each of them. And I think that that sort of fundamental um, approach of building relationships and building a shared sense of community in our class then laid the groundwork for me to be able to do everything else that I wanted to do. Well, and, and actually, because I scheduled these out into the future, people listening to this will have already heard the interview I did with the name tag guy, where we talk about <laughs> the whole approachability, you know, getting connected with your students. So. And so, but you recognize right away that that is probably going to be the most important thing that you do beyond teaching a good class. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a confirmed extrovert. I have a degree in social work. So, you know, to some degree, that's sort of like a, you know, a perfect storm of uh, ways to, to come across to my students. But yes, I think that, you know, just going into that environment. Um, and plus, I was really excited at, you know, the chance to do this. So you really do want to just, you know, make sure that it succeeds. So you want to create a positive vibe. 
you know, I didn't ask when uh, during the calendar year did did the class start? Yeah, we actually started in September, so right at the uh, oh, you had a perfect timing. Yeah, so people could, you know, as their as their schedules were evolving, they could figure out how to how to you know build this in. Got it. Okay, so it wasn't like you're starting it in April. Right. Yeah. Suffering <laughs> through the summer. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. No, this was it was really a very good time. All right. Okay. So now, give me some understanding of your class, the format that you're using. You know what it is that what your focus was for your class. Well, you know, it's it having having listened to many um, ICI Pro podcasts, um, you know, I sort of recognize that there are you know sort of many ways to sort of get to to skin the cat and to sort of bring people along to you know where you want to be. Um, in this area, I've noticed that most of the classes um, are what I call a sort of teach to the music kind of class. You know, not not very cycle specific. I mean, you'll have your certain moves that you do, but most people sort of choose the music and then they choreograph um, the music to you know, and that that creates the profile. So you know. I have many of those rides. That's how I sort of taught before I became a convert to um, ICI Pro. Um, and so, you know, we sort of started out with that. But, um, you know, I would sort of sprinkle in some cycle-specific kinds of information. You know, looking, we started talking about threshold and we'd, we'd talk about cadence. And I actually have uh, pirated my daughter's metronome that has a flashing light. So it is my my little, um, you know, I would take that out and show them how they could sync their their knees to the light and that could establish a cadence. And we could do that for individual songs. So tried to sort of sprinkle some interesting little tips and pointers and um, fitness-oriented information um, so that they became interested in that. And um, and at that point, I was able to then start introducing some of the profiles that, you know, that I had taken the audio profiles that, that you make available. Um, and another thing I think that the class appreciated was that um, each each ride sort of had a purpose and, and an objective. And I would really review that at the beginning of class um, and give them roadmap, you know, sort of road markers as they go along so they knew where they were going. And, um, you know, I've had people say that they appreciate the fact that there's, you know, we, there's a plan and it's very precise and they know what's expected of them. And the time just goes. So um, I think that, you know, it's sort of a variation on a typical spinning class that they would typically take. One thing I noticed and I forgot to mention is that, okay, so there's a, this is a structural logistical thing, and I've mm-hmm. struggled with this, and I'm, I'm curious how you deal with it. The existing class is at 9.15. Yes. Your class is at 8.30. Right. You only have one studio. Right. This actually, what happened was they had no class on Tuesday mornings, so they decided to put this one on the schedule. It was an additional day. Got it. So okay. they didn't have to vacate the premises at 9.15 for the rest of the crowd. Got it. Okay, because I've had a struggle where I had somebody they tried they they had me at a class in front of, or they moved my class up and had another class right behind me, and then I uh, get all people trying to come in halfway. It was ugly. Yeah, okay. it gets it's tough. And actually, we have a yoga class that comes in afterwards, but they allowed about ten minutes to do the transition. Got it. Okay, and 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 you're teaching in kind of a general purpose fitness room. Um, actually, it, the studio it's you know has a gym floor and there are about twenty some odd bikes. So um, you know it, it is sort of their dedicated spin studio. It's closed off, although they're glass glass walls, so you could definitely hear the music uh, in the rest of the gym. Um, but it's sort of their studio. You know, Studio One is the spinning studio, and then they clear the bikes and they do some other group fitness work in there. Gotcha. Okay. Forgive me for getting off topic there. No, no, quite all right. People should know that you've developed a very nice um, profile for us to have hard conversation yeah. with. <laughs> Thank you. That's well, you know, that's why we like this stuff. Exactly. Okay. So now talk to me about the music you're using. 
Yeah, well, music, you know, what I have found in this area, and it, it, I, I'm always interested to see the music that, you know, comes along with the pro, the audio profiles and what gets put on the blog on the website, um, because I think there would be revolutions in my class if I played um, a lot of techno music and a lot of sort of that dance and, and trance-oriented kind of music. People would just be, you know, they would be storming out the doors. Um, in this area, people like Top 40, they like club, they like dance, um, and that, that makes it tough because I'm, you know, that's really not my thing you know to some degree you have to take a pulse of the students and sort of figure out what they like and to some degree what you can get away with in terms of you know putting in your own personal preference but ultimately what I'm striving for is a balance of you know what moves me and what I can teach with um, with also providing the fun and the spark that they that they like and ultimately what I'm trying to do is to get them to see music choices um, as supporting you know cycling objectives and not just purely a source of entertainment you know I sort of had this aha moment the other day that you know a lot of times people come to a spin class and they want to feel like they're at a club on Saturday night. Um, so that's the experience that they want. Um, and that's fine for those kinds of classes. For my class, you know, I see music as a vehicle to really help um, advance the skills that we're trying to work on or the, um, you know, the objective what we're riding on or, you know, just feeling that hill and feeling the intensity. So, um, you know, it ends up that I, I end up with sort of a potpourri and I've been gradually trying to add more of the, you know, instrumental, more trance and techno kinds of music because it can be very effective for certain kinds of things. Do you, do you tend to default to longer songs i mean if you're in top 40 you're stuck with something about three and a half uh yeah and um it's an interesting question because i remember uh, tom scotto at a, at a recent podcast was saying that he used the same recovery song you know this way you don't have to look for so many and those are those three minute songs what i find myself doing is you know particularly when we're working on longer hills is you know sometimes i'll have a long song but oftentimes i will piece together um you know two three minute songs or two four minute songs or whatever that that work well together so it, it makes it a little bit more of a labor intensive process because i am using shorter music um and gradually i'm trying to build my library of longer pieces but um it, it just takes a little more doing with that shorter music and and um you know particularly i i sort of gravitate towards the rock and roll and the blues and some alternative because I use music from my daughter's iPod. Um, so those tend to be shorter songs. Well, I was going to ask a question. Are you, are you an iPod user? Do you bring everything on your iPod? Or? Everything is on my iPod. Yes. Yes. Which makes it very flexible. How about Mixmeister? You, do you do any of your own music? You know, that's sort of the, the next frontier. I have an Apple, so I'm not sure what's out there for, for Apple. And um, Mixmeister Express is a, an Apple. Really? Version. Yeah. Well, that would be lots of fun. Maybe that'll be my summer project. <laughs> you cool. know. Download, right. learn how to use that. That'd be awesome. Well, my only my only recommendation is that you make sure you have plenty of time allotted because it, you can be consumed by it. I'm and, sure. And, and oh yes. And do you have any perfectionist tendencies? Me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In okay. fact, I was just uh, speaking with my my trainer about that. That you know sometimes you um, you know you sort of set the standards pretty high for yourself, and um, you know pretty much you know with every certainly with every class that I go in there, I want it to be the best experience it can be, and. I think one of the things in spinning is that there is not a lot of opportunity for feedback. Um, you know, students will come and they'll sort of tell you things, but, um, you know, in some ways a, a structured feedback mechanism would be so helpful because this way you're not just sort of relying on how you're reading their body language or whether someone said something or didn't say something. Um, so, you know, that, that would be sort of helpful to know how things are going. Right. Well, and I, and I recognize that because, you know, the, you know, we, it's not we're not getting paid a lot of money to do this, so there's I've always felt there's there's other reasons. And I know with me I just I just enjoy the affirmation, the mm -hmm. you know, the 
you know, there's the, there's, there's the, there's the altruistic part of me that says I want to help people, but, right. but, but I think we're kidding ourselves if we don't think we're not getting something in return. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, back, back to your point about perfectionism is, um, you know, you sort of, I think because I see the possibilities in cycling after really, you know, be, um, joining ICI Pro, um, that I really want my, I want to convey that to my students, but I, they're not always ready to go there. And to be so cycling specific would sort of um, not necessarily correspond to their needs. So that's, you know, sometimes I feel like you know, this is the direction I want them to go in because I think it's so great. But I have to recognize that, you know, sort of my vision may not be the same as theirs. And, you know, try to bring them along to the extent that they're willing and, you know, willing to risk it. Um, you know, you have to it ha- you have to be flexible in this. Well, and I think there's something for all for all of us to learn from that and that, you know, you're recognizing their needs and trying to walk them down the path. But you're not trying to drag them by the hair. <laughs> That's right. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Now, Alice, tell me about what's happened. Well, um, you know, it it actually things got off to a somewhat slow start. You know, I think the first maybe two or three classes, you know, maybe there were the first class, maybe there were four or five. And, you know, people complained about the the time that it was, you know, was difficult. Um, But for whatever reason, you know, they, there was not a huge amount of, of advertising about it. They have a board that they put up in front of the spin room and they have a schedule and they have a website um, and they have an, a newsletter. So, you know, the information went out that way. But I would say about a month into it, I sort of had a strong core of probably eight, eight to ten students um, who started, you know, I started developing regulars. And, you know, sort of once you develop regulars, the, the word of mouth, you know, spreads. So, um, you know, depending on schedules, any day I can have. Um, really anywhere from 8 to 15 people, just depending on weather. And we had a horrible winter here. So, um, but, you know, I can, and then, you know, you know, when the regulars aren't there, you know, we, we check in with each other. And um, so we've sort of developed this core. And I think the thing that is probably the most exciting to me and that makes me the happiest with this job is that this class is absolutely willing to go where I want to take them. Um, you know, we uh, did a, a sprinting profile, um, which, you know, doing sprints the, the correct way. And it was, you know, very challenging and they were a little skeptical and I'm walking around with my stopwatch and um, they loved it. Good they, for you. You had your stopwatch. <laughs> Excellent. I Oh, I walk in there like, you know, I'm like, I'm like totally the coach. I, you know, sort of, it's, Tom, uh, Tom, Tom Scott would be so proud of you. Well, I'm working on it. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful. And, you know, it sort of helps you play the part of the coach. So it's, you know, it's perfect. Um, and, you know, we've done, uh, you know, successive hill climbs. We've just done a whole bunch of different kinds of things. And um, they just really respond to it. And, you know, I'll ask them, we were doing um, the profile we did this week was we were, you know, doing um, hills at progressively faster cadence. And, you know, I was explaining to them that you, we were focusing more on lungs than on legs. So at two points during the class, we sort of, during the cool, during a, a recovery song, you know, we did a little vote and I asked them how many people were working legs, how many people were working lungs, and then we talked about how to make the adjustment. But they were so engaged in that conversation and in that focus. And I thought, wow, um, you know, what a pleasure. It just um, really gets me very stoked when, um, you know, when they're with me and it just, makes me want to do more and um it's you know that's been a very satisfying well, i hear a lot of passion in your voice and i gotta yeah. believe you bring it to your class i 
I hope so. I hope so. I mean, you know, it's uh, being the extrovert and, and, and certainly being an instructor for so many years, you know, you get up in front of the room and, um, you know, you are the, you're the instructor, you're the coach, you're the entertainer, you know, the storyteller, the comedian, you know, there's all this, you know, dynamic of how you interact with your class. And I certainly, um, you know, I'm just so excited about the potential for indoor cycling for them and all the great things they can do. And um, it really, I hopefully that, you know, that passion and that, that excitement comes through to my students. Forgot to ask you, do you ride outside? Yes, I do. In fact, you do. Uh, well, I do. You. <laughs> Riding outside is one of my, yeah, that's just an incredibly happy thing that I do. In fact, for my special birthday, I got a wonderful bike. And, um, you know, here's a special the, birthday. What does I that mean? Special birthday. I uh, hit the hit the big five zero last year and my husband, uh, well, that was my birthday gift. Oh, so. I'm going to have to let Amy hear this because I ha- I'm going to have a similar birthday here in May. So, ah, there, oh, May, a good time. That was exactly when my birthday was. Oh, so, um, you know, here in, in northern New Jersey, you, um, you know, it, it's a pretty crowded place to ride. But um, from my house, I can just um, hop out and, you know, do 20, 30 miles. And uh, it's very easy for me to throw my bike in the car and drive to um, just up state New York within you know half an hour I'm off in the celery fields and uh, my husband is a cyclist too so we we rode together when we were in New Mexico last summer and we did an in-to-in experience in Vermont so um, we do love being outdoors on the bike. Oh, and, hooray. and you and your husband ride together. That's very cool. Yes, we do. We do. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, he, he sort of sees what I'm doing and he just wants to get on the bike and ride. <laughs> well, good for him. Now, does he take your classes? No. <laughs> in fact, oh, come on. He doesn't I, take your classes? No, I think in the eight years that I've taught, he's taken my class twice, which just makes me laugh. But, um, I, you know, I think he likes being outside. He's not a gym kind of guy anyhow. And um, it's he's just happy to be riding outside, which is great. And oh, I'm, tell, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, well, can, it's good that you are, that you're doing that together, anyways. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, what I you know, a lot of times I will take what I'm teaching and sort of experiment on myself out on the road. So, for instance, this notion of of um, you know it's the, the optimum cadence for outdoors on a flat road, more or less around 90 RPMs. And I have a bike computer on my bike, so that was last summer's experiment was to see how consistently I could maintain that 90 RPMs. And uh, we did the MS hundred, um, you know, the the century ride in September and it was amazing how that training had really paid off for being able to do that mileage you know in the ride so I went back to my class and I told them all about it and um, you know really just trying to encourage them to incorporate some of these principles do you ride with others no um, I should um, and every time I do the MS ride and we have so much fun on this group ride I think oh I really should do that but um, I'm a little intimidated and maybe this is I have to get out of my comfort zone we have one friend who rides you know the guys are pushing 19 miles an hour or 22 miles an hour and I'm thinking well <laughs> that's really not my cup of tea I sort of love the idea of just being able to hop out my door hop on my bike and go but you know I think group rides would be a great way to challenge myself some more do you have any stories of people that are in your class that have chosen to follow your lead and, and transition to outside? Um, only episodically. I did have um, one woman who decided that she was going to participate. There was a biathlon um, for a local charity. So um, she decided she was going to um, you know, do that. So the running, she's a runner anyhow. But the cycling was something she hadn't done before. Actually, I had two students do that. Um, and I had actually offered to both students to go out and do the course with them because that's it's one, one of my regular routes around here. Um, and that didn't work out. But we did you know, sort of consult about the bike and some of the strategy for approaching the hills. And um, so I was able to talk them through it, but um, have not really had any converts otherwise. Okay. Alice, if if you were speaking directly to a new instructor, somebody mm-hmm. who's just trying to break in, yeah. um, what, would, what would your recommendation be? 
Well, um, I guess I, I really feel that um, establishing that that trust and that interpersonal relationship is really sort of at the core of of what we do. So I would really encourage them to, you know, just to take each student very seriously and to really try to cultivate um, relationships with them. Um, and I also would probably encourage them to sort of think about where their strengths are. You know, what, what is it that really turns them on? What can they communicate most effectively and most passionately? And, you know, try to play to your strength because it's I, I, one of the great things about working at this particular gym was that the whole atmosphere of the gym really sort of synced with my style as an instructor and as a person. Um, so if I was trying to fit myself into something that the environment wasn't right or that I wasn't right, that would come through. And, you know, people wouldn't be happy and I wouldn't be happy. So, you know, if you have the luxury and you have the ability to, you know, to create an, an atmosphere that is, you know, in sync with your your style and, and your objectives, and that's that's really great. And, um, you know, I think you have to be flexible as an instructor, particularly when things like music, um, you know, you need to be responsive. But I think at a certain point, you also have to know what's important. So, um, you know, there's there have been gyms that have, you know, complained that my music didn't have enough, you know, top 40. And I, I don't feel that I'm there to be an entertainer. So, um, you know, if they liked, I, I obviously made changes to my music and, and added things. But um, ultimately, um, I couldn't be who I wasn't and I couldn't teach to music that. I just, you know, just didn't do it for me in terms of um, the objectives that I had. So flexibility, you know, within while staying true to yourself is, is a very important thing. And um, I think probably what I have learned um, that my whole style of, of teaching and outlook and knowledge base uh, increased so much when I really um, paid very close attention to my continuing ed. Um, I have just found that, you know, what I, the content that's offered through ICI Pro really completely was a game changer for how I taught. And um, I think that I'm a much better instructor for it. So I think, and a lot of people, you know, they get that base certification and, you know, they may take some workshops or go to ECA, um, but to really take that continuing ed very seriously. Cool. Well, I'm glad we we were helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Hooray. Okay. Well, Alice Hefner, thank you so much. This was this was really good. You did a great job. Oh well, thank you, John. It's uh, such a pleasure. I'm you know going to have to tell all my relatives now that they have to listen to the podcast. Well, and, and I'll send you the link. All right. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Well, again, thank you. And for those of you listening, thank you. And I hope you found this of value. Now, this was actually podcast number 151, and if you'd like, you can always go to the site and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. 